Welcome to the Hate Your Lucker podcast. This is our last show of the year and we would like to thank all of our lovely guests who have contributed to the podcast in 2021. We really appreciate the support and the feedback has been amazing. We'll be back in the new year with some amazing new guests. So if you haven't already subscribed to the show, head over to Spotify, iTunes or wherever you listen and hit subscribe today to get all of the latest show notifications. If you have any topics that you'd like us to cover, contact us at podcast at hrlocker.com. With 2022 just over the horizon, closing out the end of the year can often be a daunting task for many HR or office managers. One of those tasks is completing end of year reviews to make sure that each department have hit their goals, KPIs or OKRs for the year. On today's podcast, we asked our CEO, Adam Coleman, the importance of performance reviews, how necessary they are for managing remote teams, how often they should take place, and what should managers measure to ensure productivity. We hope that you have had a great year and look forward to bringing you some great content in 2022. Enjoy the show. So Adam, we're delighted to have you with us today. Cheers, Christelle. As always. So today we will be talking about all things performance management. Um, so basically we'll be talking about the things that companies should be putting in place in regards if they're thinking about putting in performance management and also the important things for companies um, when they have performance management put into their companies and they're trying to review it. So Adam, how important is performance management to a company's overall growth? Well, I think um, performance management is important for a company for its overall growth, but also its overall um, performance. And what I mean by that is that uh, it took me a while time to realize this, but when you build people, it's the people who build the companies. So therefore, it's important that you have the right people with the right capability or the right w- willingness to learn to try and get to the level that you want to get to from uh, both the, an individual success of the individual but also from the company's perspective in terms of their targets, their figures, and how they operate. So all of those are really, really important, but it starts with the individual in my world. And Adam, do you think that there is a specific time in a company's life cycle that they should implement performance management? Yeah, from day one. Um, It's really simple. Uh, Everybody... At the end of every day, everybody thinks or should think, sit back and say, well, have I made a difference to my business today? Um, So any entrepreneur, any CEO, any owner of a company wants to be able to track um, the metrics of their business. And what we're talking about there is everything from how much, if I spend X amount of money on developing people, what am I likely to get at the end of that? The person's also looking at the situation of where, I'm in this company, you know, I, I want to do the best I can every day, but I also want to do the best I can over the length of my career. So does this company provide me with the vehicle to to be the best I can and to advance my career and to allow me to have a really, really good lifestyle no matter where I work? These are all things that have to be started from the very, very beginning. And these are all metrics that you set out. Um, When you're hiring somebody, a lot of people just think, oh, I'm hiring this person just to do the job. But you should be thinking about um, if I hire this person, can they do this job and where can they go and how can they help me build my business? And when you start asking fundamental questions like that, performance management starts at the beginning. 
And it's just as easy to document it then and to start it off from there. And then to get into uh, uh, an array of habits and grooves of how you monitor this. If your question was more, when do I start recording this? Um, you should be recording it from day one because at the end of the day, the relationship that you have with your direct people within your business will dictate what type of a culture you have in your business, how you manage them, how you manage their expectations, how you actually communicate to them where the business is going. This is all part of, of, of the cultural build of the company and performance management sits at the almost at the center of that. So a lot of companies will say that they're doing performance management, but what we find difficult is how do you measure the actual impact? So how does a company know that the process is actually working? How do you measure it? There's a few things you can measure. You can measure direct sales output, obviously. You can measure basically uh, against the retention rates, how many people leave your business. You can measure it on how people work in your business. So what I would what I, what I would tend to suggest to people that they do, they look at the performance of their people in their current roles. They look at the performance of their people against the set objectives and metrics that you've set for them and that you've agreed with them. And you do that in a very, very timely fashion. So in our instance, we do a quarterly, but we have meetings every single week with every individual. And we add to the objectives during the quarter as agreed by with the employee and agreed by by senior management or the CXO team. And you just build so everybody knows where they are against different things. And it allows people to bring up ideas. If you are slipping on a sales target or a marketing target or whatever the case may be, it gives the person the opportunity to, to make suggestions and innovate around why this is happening or what adjustments need to, make, need to be made. So it's, it's all about communication, regular communication. People know when they're going to be talked to. People know when they're going to be measured. People know what they're being measured against. And then it's a continuous quarterly function that happens every quarter. Salim, you spoke there about the objective setting and the goal setting with employees. And a lot of companies are coming towards the end of the year now where, you know, they start to be looking at putting in those new goals for the new year. Um, does it start from the top down in regard to goal setting or how should a company go about it? I think when it comes to goal setting, I think the senior management team in any in any organization will obviously set out a set of goals and objectives for that business. But there's no point in setting those objectives like that if if they're not being stress tested to the organization. So when when a team, uh, a CXO team basically set out the objectives and goals for, for the business, they have to be prepared to put money behind it. They have to be prepared to put support behind it. And more importantly, they have to get support of their employees that this is possible, right? So when the objectives are set at a high level, which should be around now, they should be now start to be shared with basically the employees of the company and you cascade the objectives down and then the objectives bounce back up and they say, okay, that's feasible that we should be able to release that feature in quarter two, for instance, but realistically, we'll need two additional resources for that period of time to do that. When that comes back up, that gets second guessed, budgets have to be put against it. And then in January, when you sit down with your people for the first time, nothing is a surprise. And I think that maybe is that how you really encourage your people to to grow and develop in your company, that you're showing that you're serious about the development, that you're actually putting a budget behind 
the actual goals and the objectives that you want your employees to succeed. Well, no, absolutely. And it's really, really important as well that the, the individual employee knows where their career is going within that business. Like in HR Locker, we have a career path structure and and it's it's not it's not a big scrawling document. It's a document that everybody signs when they come into the business. They sign it because they say that they've seen it and they know what it's about, and they know where they are on that on that um on that career path uh, profile. But not every not every part of that career path profile needs to be filled out at, at every moment in time. So there's a huge amount of communications around that. So the employee themselves knows what they want, what they need to do to get to the next level, if you want to call it that. But what, what always happens in HR Locker, as you know, Crystal, we end up having a need for somebody. And the first thing that we do is we look internally and say, look, is there anybody there who can grow into this role? Can we support them with training or do we have to go external to the business? And even recently, we did it around the product management thing, as you know. But yeah. so so the whole the whole area is, is that it has to be it has to be agree. Uh, uh, objectives are set out by senior management stress tests all the way down to the business and then brought back up and then agreed with budgets and timeframes and then rolled out to the individuals in January on in the first week in January or second week in January, whenever you start your objective setting arrangements with each individual. And I think, and we've worked with a lot of companies like this, Adam, where um, it's, it's great to have a discussion of what performance management should be and that your senior management team is buying into it and that it, it's rolled down it's really I suppose incorporated into the culture of, of the the company but a lot of HR people would say that performance management is often just seen as a HR task it's just a tick the box exercise it's something that a company just does and that there isn't really any result out of it so I mean as a HR manager or a director how do you get your senior management team um you really bought into performance management. Crystal, you, you, you're asking me a question. It's, it's, it's really bizarre because we go back to the, the journey with HR Locker and we, we knew that performance management was a huge important uh, feature for HR Locker, but we knew it was broken because of our domain expertise and knowledge. Uh, I always compare performance management, standard performance management like bad Santa, where you know, this this man stands outside your room and you're terrified inside the room and he comes in and he talks at you for 45 minutes. Sometimes he leaves some presents that you never even wanted. And then he leaves the room and um, with a list of instructions of how you can be nice for the next year. And he doesn't come back for another year. That is absolutely a waste of time. This concept of, of setting objectives at the beginning of the year and having a one hit appraisal at the end of the year, you might as well not do it. If you associate any task with HR in this day and age, unfortunately, it can be seen as not a good thing to do. So performance management in everybody's minds is, oh my Jesus Christ, I'm going to be, I have my appraisal next week and it's something to be got over. But when we, when we did the research on performance management and why we wrote, why, why we released real-time reviews was because it has to be an ongoing thing. The objectives are set day one, and then basically they're reviewed every quarter. And they're even reviewed within those quarters because sometimes things can happen because things shift and move. And if, if that constant business is not, if, if they're not, if, if it's not been constantly talked about and it's been con and constantly um, tweaked, uh, you're never going to 
you know, uh, achieve what you're going to achieve, because, or you're going to achieve twice as much as what you're going to achieve, but you may well burn people out. So you have to take all of these things into consideration. This is why second, second checking with the employees after the, the CXO team sets the objectives and it all goes down to the organization. That's why the, sec, the second glance at this is so, so important. Because we otherwise you're living in cloud cuckoo land and it is going into a situation where, oh my God, it's HR looking to do, to see how many appraisals are done. It has to be ongoing. It has yeah. to happen as part of your day-to-day business. And I think it's important that the employees, like you said, that that they do understand where the objectives are coming from, that you know they haven't just arrived at their performance review or their appraisal and the objectives, the company objectives are placed in front of them, them and they've never seen them before. Or they don't know where they're coming from or they don't know where the company's going. So there's, there's no real buy-in, right? No, buy-in is everything because two things, they want to get paid for, for what they do. They want to be rewarded for how they do it. They want to basically, if there's opportunities that become available within the company that they're a 75% fit for, they want to know about it. And the only way that you can do this is that if you are in constant touch with them, so you know what they're thinking. And you know, from our perspective in HR Locker, we've got a very open, transparent environment, working environment, where we encourage people to bring one person to work as opposed to two, because the majority of organizations, the person comes to work to do the work, and then the other person, which is the same person, uh, comes to work and tries to hide their vulnerabilities. But and that in itself is 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 very very hard to manage as well because you don't know what's going on in their in their outside world. So, for instance, an example would be, you know, you could be working with an employee and they could be going through hell at home because of home working or the children are at home or she's not she or he's not getting on with the the husband or whatever. And if if their performance starts to slip because of this, which it will do because everyone's human, uh, and they don't tell you what's going on, then you can't make any adjustments. So it's it's just as important for the employee to basically be open, clear, and honest with their employer so they can actually justify um, maybe a slip in performance because of, of personal issues, or it could be a situation where you know, th- this person is working off the scale, they're doing really, really well. And then when you talk to them, you realize that they're working ridiculous numbers of hours. And if you don't know that, they're going to burn out. So you're going to, it's it's preservation of your work, workplace and, and, and work colleagues is, is a huge part of performance management. Not about how many times I've talked to them this year or uh, in, in the sales terms, if, if a person is 100% ahead of target or 100% behind target, whatever the case may be. These are all things that have to be looked at holistically with the person and the business. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest mistakes that companies make is that actually doing the performance review isn't isn't the outcome or you know isn't isn't what isn't I suppose success it's actually getting something out of the review so that if you actually find out that you know the person is working in excess of hours you know that exactly like you said you need to preserve your employees because you want them to be happy and healthy and stay or if you find out that they have issues at home or or that they don't have an extra monitor and they need one or anything that's really, really simple. Absolutely. Even like I was laughing, uh, I have my finance manager down um, to visit me to pick up stuff. And she, I was chatting away to her and she says, uh, yeah, you have a really nice setup. I said, blood, you don't have this setup. No, no, no. So within literally two or three days, we could have her set up. And the only reason being is because she talked to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know by that setup, she's going to be more productive and happier in what she does. 
Yeah, we don't have to look at performance management being just these these big, huge goal settings in terms of sales targets and revenue targets, which obviously it, it is key to. But, you know, how how to get people there, um, it's the small things that often make a, a big difference. Huge difference, huge difference. And facilities, particularly with people working from home or remotely or hybrid or mobile or whatever they want these days, they have to have the facilities. And it's really important. Like, for instance, for our situation, like we have we have people working now in probably about six or seven different countries. And for all intents and purposes, you know, when I go on a call with one of them, my first question is, where are you working today? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and uh, and maybe, oh, well, I'm now, you know, doing X, Y and Z. When they open up to you, like, for instance, we know two of the guys who are working with us are Indian and they're, they want to go back to India for a while, for a couple of months. But it's all good. Once they tell us, they can go. So mm-hmm. the flexibility within a workplace and performance management is what you're doing is, and I think it's it's part of our um, it's our, our big ostentatious goal, uh, which is basically to make life easier for both employers and employees, and that's what it's about. And watch your productivity soar. Yeah, performance management is a very, very important part of that because you have to let the employees how well they're doing. Are they going to get to where they want to within that time frame? And it's okay, by the way, if the company isn't growing quick enough to maintain that particular employee. It's okay if they leave because you know all about it and you'll be able to plan for it because you've got that good relationship. Yeah. Um, And I think as well, a lot of companies have fallen into this I suppose it's a mistake over the last kind of 18 months that because they've been remote, they haven't been doing performance reviews. But I think that there's there is zero um, excuse not to be doing them remotely. I mean, we do all our meetings remotely. It, I think it, it's more important when you're remote to be doing those constant check ins. Oh, 100 percent. And as you know, Christelle, we have our, our grooves and habits every day. So everybody's calendar every week has a number of meetings in it that they have to attend, be they catch up meetings or inform meetings or innovation meetings or sales meetings, or whatever the case may be. And having having that so they know wherever they go to work, that they know they have to be at those meetings. So it gives a framework for them to hang all of the rest of their work around, which I think is brilliant. Yeah, me too. Adam, what do you think is are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're putting a performance management system in place? They don't focus on the people. They focus on the objectives only. Mm-hmm. And what I'm talking about there is the numbers, the sales, the churn rates, the whatever. They're not focusing on the people. And there and there's two elements to it. There's the well-being element of that person, but there's also the actual training of that person. And what we what we've perfected, which is which I'm really glad to say, is that within HR Locker, the people can request whatever training they want and it will be dealt with. And it's if they request it based on four things, whether it's to make them better at their current job, their future job or their communication or their wellness. Right. And they can request training based on any of that. I'm not saying that it's all going to happen, but it gets the conversation going. And that's what it's all about. It's the communication. So, Adam, um, my last question for you is for companies that are just starting to look at performance management, what do you think are the five most important things to consider when starting it? Don't call it performance management. That's the first thing. Okay. Um, because everybody's... Yeah, well, <laughs> you can basically change it. You can change it to, as we have, we call the feature real-time reviews. 
So you're constantly being uh, reviewed all the time based on your aspirations and on the, on the aspirations of the company. That's the first thing. If you if you call it performance management, uh, it's got negative connotations within the marketplace. So therefore, it's not going to be adapted uh, as well. The second thing that they should do is they should build a group of champions within the business. So what I mean by that, two, three people, four people max, maybe. And these aren't necessarily senior managers or anyone like that. These are people who are influential in the, in the business. Like, for instance, in the unionized environment, it could be one of the union reps. He has massive influence. If you want to get buy-in, um, go get the influential people involved and get them to spread the word. You need to do that back background piece. And and it was the one, one feature in HR Locker I was always really nervous about because most most of the rest of HR Locker Locker HR Locker is um is point and click. So the holiday management piece is point and click, and the timesheet stuff is point and click, and the employee data and updating the self service is point and click, and rearranging is point and click, and even the recruitment module in in is you know point and click, point and click. Performance management is not point and click. There has to be communications around it first. Why you're doing it, the way you're doing it. How, how people want to want want to do it and then only then should you implement the basically the the system itself in order to do it so my my one concern always was with performance management and real-time reviews is that that the employers need to be able to realize it is not point and click there is communication before yeah, then implementation and then communicate constant communication afterwards mm-hmm. and it won't work other than that yeah, I think the constant communication is um, is key. And another thing somebody said to me before in regards to how do you identify the um, the stakeholders or you know that 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 person who can who can bring it forward with you is to ask your employees if you don't know somebody, who do you ask? Absolutely. And then that person usually is not their manager or it's not the person it should be. It's the person who kind of knows the stuff that they've been there for so long or something, and they usually have huge amount of influence, don't they? Yeah, I was so lucky um, when before we set up HR Locker, we were a HR consulting company. And I think I rolled out something in the region of about 30 or 40 competency, competency, behavioral, principle based frameworks for various companies in tech, pharmaceuticals and service. And it was one of those things you 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 got the influencers involved, you got those champions involved and it wasn't necessarily the senior managers. Yeah. And once you got their engagement, everything is possible. The other thing, Adam, I find when we're working with companies is that they kind of get caught on the language. You know, is it objective? Is it goals? Is it KPIs? And what I usually say to companies is, you know, just get whatever language works for your own company, right? Oh, absolutely. Like there's, in this day and age, there's 150 million models to do everything, you know, um, yeah, you have to. Language is everything. Like that's why I suppose when you have a sort of a, a principles or behaviors or communications network that you hire against, you reward against, you like you you you've you've developed your own language. You know, um, whether it's objectives or OKRs or it's pips or nips or whatever the hell, it's it's up or to a you. bomb. Somebody said or the bombs, other day. Yeah. You're on a bomb. I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> So what I don't want to be on a bomb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you do you you have to you know you you will use as as you know we, we HR Locker is like you we use a combination of a load of learning books that we've gone through everything from Aaron Ross's scaling up to um, 
to Vern, uh, Aaron Ross's uh, uh, books and re uh, uh, predictable revenue, or, or Vern Harnish's scaling up, or Robert Keegan's um, uh, and everyone culture, or Ray Dalio's principles, right? And and what we do is both myself and yourself and Mike and various other people in the business, we read through these things and we share them around each other. And then we say, okay, how can we apply that to our business? And we, we, we always take some of the language from that. Yeah. You know, we, we use psychometric evaluations and insights discovery, and we're constantly using, you know, oh, that person's too blue, or we need to apply some red energy here. And, and, and it is a lovely, it's a HR locker language and or whatever company you're in language. And it's, you know, you just you just make it your own. And if you if you if you are as successful as Microsoft, you end up developing a dictionary like Microsoft have MAD, which is Microsoft acronym dictionary. And this is true. And, and I love I love when I'm on a call with I was on a call with one of the 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 new um, grads and they they were like, I think that person was really blue. And I was like, oh, you've got it got the language down <laughs> exactly exactly and it's it's um the, the the language is huge and even this morning when we had our our get together our, our weekly get together at uh, 9 30 every um monday morning and we had jack who was our new ldr and my god he had it down pat super exactly yeah. and i think oh. yeah and it gives them a way to i think um kind of know that what they're saying, what they're delivering is correct because they've got a couple of the acronyms that we're using, a couple of the languages that we're using, the words and the phrases. So it's, it's, it's I think it gives them a bit of um, confidence. Oh no, and it does. And like, and, and, and language is massively important. Yeah. Um, so Adam, thank you so much for um, for coming to talk to us. Um, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Adam, the best way for people to contact you is through your LinkedIn, would you say? Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best. Um, or if you want to, by all means, if you want to send us an email at adam at hrlocker.com, I make it really easy for people. <laughs> or if you want to look at some other stuff that I've been talking about, uh, you can also go to adamcoleman.com and there's some podcasts and bits and pieces around that as well, which may be helpful. But I'm um, always here to help. Thank you so much, Adam. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Check us out at hrlocker.com. The show was hosted by Christelle Rin and produced by Jenny Martin. Subscribe to catch the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you'd like to feature, get in touch by emailing us at marketing at hrlocker.com. You can also follow HR Locker on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.